For those who are visiting with us today, our congregation has been going through a, a sermon series on the book of Colossians. And one of the themes that's come out of this book is how God initiates and we respond. And we've seen this uh, throughout Scripture. In creation, God spoke. He created. And He calls us to respond in relationship with Him. And even in the fall of creation, when humanity was disobedient, God then initiated a plan of salvation to stay in relationship. And we respond. This morning in baptism, we saw again God initiates His grace and His covenantal promises to two little babies, to two families, to the church community, and we respond. We have office bear ordination shortly in the service, and God has called these men to office, and they respond, and we respond as a congregation. So in the passage that we're, that's been scheduled to be read this morning, we continue with Colossians 3, 15 to 4, verse 1, and you can find that in your pew Bibles, Colossians 3, 15 to 4, verse 1, or on your phones or pads. And there's a lot of response. As we go through this passage... There's a lot of response going on in this passage. But this response follows. Follows from God initiating His grace and His promises from previous verses. Chapter 2, verse 6, You have received Jesus Christ as Lord. Chapter 2, verse 13, God has made you alive in Christ. Chapter 3, verse 1, You have been raised with Christ. Chapter 3, verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... God initiates, we his people respond. So Colossians 3, 15 verses 4 to 1. Before we read this, let's come to God in prayer. Lord God, we just sang the words, how great are you. And we cannot say that enough because you are great, you are amazing, and you Continue to pour out your grace and your mercy and your promises, your love to each of us. You initiate all things and you call us to respond. So Lord, we've, we've come to, you've called us to worship. We've come here. You, you again reminded us of your promises through the sacrament of baptism and we want to respond in obedience to that and in relationship with you as well. And Lord, now we hear from your word and we just pray as we hear your words of grace and instruction, work in us through the power of your Holy Spirit to hear what needs to be heard, to live what needs to be lived. And this is only through your power and your spirit and your grace in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians 3, verses 15 to 4, verse 1. Last week we read verses 15 to 17 as well and kind of tagged it on last week's sermon. This week we're putting as an introduction to this week's message because these are important verses and you'll hear that shortly. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. 
Fathers, parents, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and, and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there's no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. I want to look at those first three verses again, 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now what follows these three verses includes a lot of instruction and some specific instructions. And I don't want us to neglect the details, but I also don't want us to get hung up with the details. And we're going to take just kind of a step back, a a step or two back, and we're going to look at the big picture of what's going on in this passage. It's like that proverbial statement where we miss the forest because we're so intently looking at the trees. Now, we're not going to ignore the trees, but we're definitely going to look at the forest that Paul is referring to in this passage. And I think verse 17 is the key to what precedes this verse and then what follows this verse. Verse 17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the goal that we are to strive for. This is to be kept before us. This is our forest. Whatever we do, we keep our focus on Jesus. We do it for Jesus, giving thanks to Jesus. Our goal is a relationship with Jesus. Now, up to this point in chapter 3, the verses 1 through 17, Paul's talking, to, uh, talking about the individual Christian. And he, he's talking to them about putting off that old self, those old rags, putting all that old stuff just behind you. Why? Because you are now new creations. You are the new self. You have this new clothing that God has placed out before you. And Paul, having talked about that, says, Okay, people, you are new people in Christ. So how are you going to live out this new self in relationship and in community with others and with Jesus Christ? Because you are new creations in Christ and doing all things in the name of Jesus, where better to practice this in places that you're often present? In the home. At work. Church is not the only place that we live out our faith in Christ. Paul is saying that we live out our faith in our homes, in our workplaces. We live out our faith beyond coming together as a church community. So that when we do come together as communities, as church communities or other communities, we can be people of integrity and authenticity. As new creations and new people, there is a new presence 
in the household. Jesus is present in our lives. And when he is present in our lives, he's present everywhere. He's present in our households. And so our relationships are going to look different than before. So Paul then proceeds to instruct new people how to live in a healthy relationship. To live in holy relationships within our households. How to live as new wives and new husbands, new children, new fathers, new mothers, new parents, new slaves, new masters. And these are not hard and fast rules because these are not the only rules that God gives us throughout Scripture. These are not absolute rules, but these are rules to guide us in healthy relationships. And today we are called to ensure that we are living out our Christian love in ways that are applicable to being that new person in Jesus Christ. So Paul, in this letter, is referring to roles in the household. The household at that time included wives and husbands, children, slaves, and masters. It was theologian Frederick Bruce. He states that the household was recognized as a stabilizing element in ancient society. And there were certain assumptions and rules for households that were common. The household was a major organization in society. And because the households were important in the culture, they were important in the church. And in the early church, households were typically larger than what we would view as a household today. And and there was somebody who would be considered the head of the household. Sometimes a woman, more often a man. And he would have had the role of the husband, father, and master. In some early church instances, households would be expanded to include other believers as well. Households, in a sense, became house churches. So Paul does not go about changing the legal order of the culture. The head of the household was considered to be the legal person in the family. And this legal person had control over the property and authority over the many members in the household. And it was a general assumption in these ancient times that those in the household were to obey the head of the household. And it made good sense and functioned in an orderly manner. That was the way of the culture at that time. So the household was the long-established social unit. The New Testament church was not. Remember, the New Testament church was a fairly recent creation by God. And the church had equal status for all men, women, slaves, masters, Jews, Greeks, circumcised, uncircumcised, they were equal. But in society, there was somewhat of a hierarchy, and it was a patriarchal society, and there was no reason to change this just because the church operated differently. The hierarchy in society was that the male was to be the head of the household, the husband, father, and master, as long as this was fitting to the Lord. Since in the church all believers were equal, Paul then had to ensure that members in the household who became believers also related to one another in a way that was fitting and pleasing to Christ. So he says, between husbands and wives, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Now, assuming the cultural norm in the typical household, a legal hierarchy... Submission is not about domineering or about somebody being submissive in terms of a doormat. 
It doesn't even refer to obedience because that word is reserved for children and slaves. It's not about inferiority because Jesus submitted to God, but was not inferior to God, nor is submission absolute. It doesn't have to be done all the time because there are times that the husband may be wrong. Well, I'll talk to my wife. The husband is wrong sometimes. <laughs> you see, submission is about equality in relationships, as is love. And these relationships should never be about power and hierarchy. We are all image bearers and created by God for a purpose. Both must ensure that they don't dominate the other's life. That God created both to be diverse individuals and brought together as one couple. The expectations of one or the other cannot override who God designed each to be. When husbands and wives understand their identity in Christ and who they're created to be, then the relationship will grow and flourish. And both are in this relationship, one as a husband, other as a wife, and both need to be loved and respected. You see, submission and love, they go hand in hand. There's new purpose in the household because Jesus is present. We follow Jesus, Jesus who submits, Jesus who loves goes back to verse 17. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Verses 20 and 21 have to do with the children and the parent relationship. Verse 20 states that children need discipline and they're to obey their parents. And then verse 21 continues to state how parents need to have discipline and do not irritate their children. Now, the new international version that we've read uses the Greek plural word, for fathers, but it can also be translated as parents. In Hebrews eleven twenty three, it uses the same word there. Paul uses the same word when it says that by faith Moses' fathers hit him for three months. Moses didn't have fathers; he had parents. Moses' parents hit him, so we can hid him. By the way, H I D, hid him. And we can also use that same word in this passage. Fathers don't irritate. Parents don't irritate. Both children and parents have been created as individuals by God and do not need to replicate the other. Parents will have expectations, but also need to be disciplined to allow children to grow to be the adult that God created them to be. You see, both are in this relationship as different people. One as a child, one as a parent. Both need to love and respect. Both are image bearers of God. Back to 17. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. The next verses deal with slaves and masters and their relationship to one another and their relationship to the Lord. Slaves and masters were also part of the household. And in this context, the slave-master relationship was normal. And today we would view this sort of relationship as wrong. Today we have employees, employers, unions, and labor acts to protect people, and this is most of the time outside the household. Paul is writing about slavery and ensuring that people do not do things wrong. Work, it's a form of worship. Again, doing things for the Lord. Slaves have to honor their master, and the, the master may be the master on earth, but is still accountable to the master in heaven. 
And in these household relationships, people were to strive for healthy, functional relationships, even between slaves and masters. Whatever you do, back to verse 17, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. So Paul is saying that there needs to be love and respect in these relationships, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And there are many different relationships that people enter into, and some without choice, such as children. We all need to be reminded that we have someone greater over us and in us. And that person is Jesus Christ. And it is he who makes us the new persons in Christ. Whatever we do, we do it in his name, to his glory, to his honor. So this passage, as we're looking at the trees, the forest, we're looking at the forest, is about relationship. And it's about relationships in our most common places. Relationships in our family, in our workplace, and how they impact our relationships in, in our communities, in our church community. Our relationships with people that reflect our relationships with Jesus Christ. And relationships are important. They're important to Paul because they're important to God. Our God is a God of relationships. And we see that again, being reminded of that through baptism. God initiating a relationship with two little babies, two infants, despite their lack of knowledge about him. Absolutely amazing grace to his children. We see that in the ordination of office bearers shortly, that God establishes leadership relationships in the church, despite how often his people fail and fall short and are sinful. Amazing grace that God continues to use his broken leaders. We see of God we see a God of relationship through Scripture. A relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A relationship that God even gave up His one and only Son to die on the cross. His Son was being submissive and obedient and loved His Father and followed His will. And a God who loved His Son and on the third day the power of the Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the dead and God ascended Jesus into heaven and put His Son, Jesus, on the throne to rule heaven and earth. We serve Jesus and we love Jesus for all that he has done. And we do this by serving others and loving others in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our church. You see, as new creations in Christ, we're to reflect Jesus in all our relationships. We are to reflect Jesus in whatever you do. And we do it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks for your relationship with each of us. We thank you that you have blessed us with relationships with others. And so, Lord, we pray that in our relationships that we may be reflections of Jesus Christ. And we may be representatives of the new creations that you have called us to be. Bless those who are single, married, parents, children, widows, widowers, grandparents, employees, and employers. Lord, often where there are relationships, there's also conflict and disagreement. 
And we ask that you bring healing to areas of your people where there is disagreement and perhaps even disunity. Help us to be people of reconciliation and restoration where relationships have been damaged. May your Holy Spirit work in us to unite as one body and one people and one church. And may we express grace and forgiveness to one another as you have to us. Wherever we are and whatever we do, may we do things in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And it's only in his name we pray. Amen.